Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens. Brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls, and Wilson Financial Advisors, over 50 years of financial expertise and success. Visit CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on their logos for more information or to donate. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Will the U.S. Supreme Court overturn the Colorado Supreme Court decision removing Donald Trump from the Republican Party primary ballot for his alleged role in the January 6, 2021 so-called insurrection? Has Donald Trump had a positive or negative impact on Christianity in America? Are things better off in the body of Christ over the past eight years or not? Well, we're going to talk about some of those things in today's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. My name's Neil, and I'm glad to be here with such an esteemed group of podcasters and radio talk show professionals, including, of course, Bob Duco, host of the Bob Duco Show on WMUZ in Detroit. Bob, welcome back. I know you weren't feeling well last week, and I think we're going to hear in your voice that you're still struggling a little bit. Uh, As you know, Bob, many people feel like the world's gone mad. It's a little bit off kilter. Something ain't right, but I'm kind of thinking that they might be onto something because the Detroit Lions are the number three Ah. seed in the NFC going into the playoffs this weekend. Our Wolverines won the national championship in college football. What is happening? Wait a minute here. Oh, I'm sorry. Where were the Colorado Buffaloes? Oh, that's right. They weren't anywhere to be seen, (laughs) were they? We will be, though. You just wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever you say. Whatever you say. We will be. I don't know. I was just going to say, Bob, should we head for the bunkers now? Start the generators. What are we? What's going on in Detroit, man? Seriously, <laughs> I know. And the Lions, and oh, it's, it's just it's insane. It's just great insane. for Michigan football. There you go. That's yeah. right. Enjoy That's it while right. it lasts, because it'll end someday. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, I wanted. I mentioned the SCOTUS thing. You know, the U.S. Supreme Court is going to talk about what the Colorado Supreme Court did, and other states obviously have been involved as well in trying to keep Donald Trump off the primary ballot. And since this deals with Colorado, I mean, they didn't make the college football playoffs. But, John, let me start with you. Let's go to you sure. and just ask the question. Um, you know, what's going on there, number one? Do you think SCOTUS will overturn this? And then there's some nuanced questions like, you know, Donald Trump apparently in one article said he was kind of nervous that the justices of the U.S. Supreme Court weren't going to be supportive of him. Detractors worry uh, that the relatively conservative justice, uh, justices, several of which, of course, were appointed by him, are going to show allegiance. So, I mean, there's a lot of questions, but you're in Colorado, and the U.S. Supreme Court Friday said we're going to take up this case. So what do you think? He's already on our ballot. Our Secretary of State has already gone through that process. I think she's anticipating what the Supreme Court's going to do anyways and trying to be ahead of it. She's already certified that he can be on the ballot, so that's kind of a done deal here in Colorado. Not that that's old news, but you know, it does kind of tell you, in my opinion, where some feel this will go. And and by the way, there's a lot of folks on the left that, even though they may absolutely despise Donald Trump, realize that this is not the way you do things. And and in doing so, you're opening up Pandora's box for this to go on down the line with different states, you know, picking sides, which that's not how, uh, you know, that's not how things were meant to be from our founding fathers. It's, It's not up to any kind of a legislative body, by the way, to determine who's running for office and who's not. Now, if somebody's not fit for office, that's a whole different situation. But this claim that Donald Trump is not fit fit for office because of an event that happened on January 6th, and again, you can uh, tell where, where I, you know, how I feel about all that because I didn't even use the term the left uses for January 6th. But you know, given, given all of what's happened, the fact that he's not been convicted of anything, and frankly, I don't think ever will be, the reality is he's got all rights to be on every ballot. I think the Supreme Court knows that. They know that they're going to set a precedence in 
in this, and, and no matter how nervous some may be about the outcome, you'll have a couple of judges that dissent, and won't, won't be a, it won't be unanimous, in my opinion. It should be, by the way, because this is one of those things that, again, right, left, or otherwise, you know what's going to happen if you go the other direction. But it will, it will pass in favor of Trump being on a ballot. Is it unanimous? That one I don't know. Yeah, Bob, I want to get your opinion, but before we do, we couldn't even talk about this kind of stuff without the support of our partners like Preborn. So maybe if you could comment on that and then give us some idea of whether or not you think the 14th Amendment even applies to a former president. Absolutely. Well, and as you mentioned, Preborn, we very much appreciate Preborn sponsoring this podcast. And it's such a great thing that Roe v. Wade's been overturned, of course, but we got to remember abortion is still going strong in this country. And this is where Preborn comes in because they're the main pro-life group that shows ultrasound images of unborn babies to expectant moms in pro-life centers all across the country. Uh, but it takes money to do this. You see, when a mom sees a picture of her baby, she chooses life almost all the time. And she usually ends up accepting the Lord, too. So what we're asking everybody to do is to pay for these ultrasound images and save as many babies' lives as you can. $28 is the average ultrasound expense to save one baby's life. So we're asking you to pray about a number. Take $28 times fill in the blank. Whatever that number is, that's your forever legacy, your one-time gift of the amount of babies' lives that you saved. $28 times fill in the blank. Now, there's two ways to give. You can give online or over the phone. If you want to give online, just go right now to CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. You can give right there. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds. Nothing for overhead. CrawfordMediaGroup.net. Click on Preborn. And if you want to give over the phone, the answer to the phone is 24 7. So you can call right now, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. Uh, yeah, Neil, I'll tell you something. This to me is such an over the top sham that is happening with this trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot thing. Whether you hate him or not is irrelevant. Here's what we got to remember. These states, like in the attempt in Colorado, like what we're seeing in Maine, the attempts in some other states as well, like here in Michigan where they tried to do this, uh, what they're basically saying is the 14th Amendment, uh, which states that you can't run for public office if you have, quote, engaged in insurrection against the United States government. All right. Of the 91 bogus sham charges against Donald Trump in these four different sham indictments, do you know that exactly zero of them are a charge of insurrection? So not only has he not been found guilty of insurrection, he's not even legally accused of insurrection, yet these Democrat secretaries of state have decided we're going to bypass due process. We're going to not only say that he's accused of insurrection, we're going to find him guilty guilty of insurrection and therefore use that as our excuse to remove him from the ballot. This is absolutely absurd, not to mention the fact January 6th was not an insurrection anyway. Even the original couple hundred people that stormed the Capitol, as wrong as they were, as inexcusable as that was, their effort was not for the purpose of overthrowing the United States government. It wasn't even trying to overthrow an election. Their purpose was to try to temporarily delay 
the certification process of a handful of states. They were only looking for a 15-day delay to send those certification results back to the individual states uh, for 15 days of further review before coming back. That's all they were trying to do, delay the process. That's not an attempt to overthrow the government, let alone Donald Trump supposedly trying to overthrow the government. I guess I'm just kind of curious. If he wanted an insurrection, why did he authorize 20,000 National Guard troops ahead of time that Nancy Pelosi and the D.C. police decided to reject? So this is absolutely absurd. This is dirty Democrat politics. And I hope that the Supreme Court has the wisdom not to set this kind of precedent. All right. Interesting. Roger, what about you? Is there any merit whatsoever to what Colorado and even some other states, I guess California dabbled with the same question, any merit at all to what they're trying to do? None. I mean, there really isn't. And I say this as somebody who lives, of course, in the People's Republic of California and had a Heisman Trophy potential in Caleb Williams for the first seven games of the season. And then they wound up winning. They wound up winning the Holiday Bowl. But I'm not bitter. I'm really not bitter, Bob. Enjoy your Wolverine victory. Hey, you know, number one. What what are you guys number like uh, seven or eight or something like that? 14? All I know is that when I was nine years old, my dad got tickets to the Rose Bowl, USC versus Michigan and SC won 10 to three. So boom. Okay, that's oh, all I got. Okay. That's, that's all I got. That's all I, that, I got. That's, <laughs> hey, at least you could go back that far. <laughs> it was had to be the boringest Rose Bowl in the history of Rose Bowls. But <laughs> when, when it comes down to when it comes down to what we're talking about here, I mean, the, we heard this so much in the People's Republic of California during the 2022 midterms. Proposition one: the enshrining abortion at any cost at any stage of uh, gestational uh, delivery uh, was was on the ballot. All of Gavin Newsom's favorite pet projects now get numbered Proposition 1, by the way. California propositions used to go in a, in a cycle where if you did Proposition 30 through 40 on one ballot, they started with number 41. But Newsom changed it so that everything he wants passed is Proposition 1, and all the others continue down the way so people will forget. They'll think, oh, Proposition 1, this right. is the most important thing. But what we heard over and over and over again from Democrats was, if you don't vote yes on Proposition 1, it's the end of democracy, because all of these Supreme Court justices and all these justices that Donald Trump put in are going to usurp the law, and they're going to impose their own will on the people. So what did the Colorado State Supreme Court do? What did the Maine Secretary of State attempt to do? They attempted... Everything that they're telling every don't pay attention to us. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Instead, what we have here is we're here to protect democracy by taking it away from Donald. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. This is ridiculous. Well, I mean, it's, it's just it's so basic. It would be like exhibit one, wouldn't it? In um, in election interference. I mean, this mm-hmm. is judicial yep. election interference. Absolutely. No, no question. There's no basis for it. There's, as Bob mentioned, there's no legal or constitutional basis for it whatsoever. And the fact that they've decided that Donald Trump is guilty of crimes he was never even charged of. I mean, it's just, it's ridiculous. And trust me, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump winning in 2024, but nobody in America should be looking at this and saying, oh, that's really good for democracy. You know, we're going to go, we've got to get rid of Donald Trump. So let's just break the law and burn up the constitution to do it. Ridiculous. You know, I want to look at maybe whether the U.S. Supreme Court can be partial on this, but let's go back to the Colorado decision for a second. And John, let me ask you, I think all seven of the justices that ruled in that, and it was a 4-3 decision, Mm -hmm. were Democratic appointees, which really, in my mind, says something. If three of them had the sense to say, this this doesn't even apply, this is wrong, and and so we're not voting for it. Uh, What do you make of that? And one was really... You know, to your point, Neil, one of them was really kind of on the fence why they went that direction. I have no idea. Um, again, they're pulling at 
strings is probably the best way for me to say it. They're trying to accomplish things that, frankly, is not in their wheelhouse. And I had actually one of our sponsor attorneys on that did a really great job of explaining how everything even got there, how the legal process worked, um, what the you know what what the local judge did before it got to the you know what the district judge did before it got to the Supreme Court here in Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, you know all of that. He did a really great job of explaining it, not saying that it's right, wrong, or otherwise, but did a good job of explaining just how all of that went. And if there's anybody out there that would like to hear his explanation, you're welcome to send me an email and I can give you the exact link to the day we we spoke with our attorney. But, you know, he did a really great job, bottom line, and he feels the same way that that the rest of us do here. This is not going anywhere. It's not what the founders set up. There's really no merit in what's going on. The Supreme Court knows, in my opinion, they know that you can't set precedence in this. And, And it's probably a good thing you know, the plus side to all of this is a good thing. This is going to the Supreme Court where this is ruled on, done, and it's not going to happen again in the future. Yeah, now I want to ask a question here because there's been some stirring about whether or not Clarence Thomas on the U.S. Supreme Court should recuse himself from this case because his wife was, you know, accused of election denying, that she's an election denier. And I want to kind of get everybody's quick opinion on that, but I want to start with Roger, our trusted spokesmodel for... Uh, Wilson Financial in Southern California, and we could not be here without their support. That's for sure. Well, that, that is for sure. And I would love to be a spokesmodel for Dennis Wilson and have some of the success that a lot of his clients have had. But, you know, the reality is I, the thing that I, we really appreciate about Dennis is he does, you know, support life and liberty. He he calls it the way he sees it. He He's a, a supporter of like guys like Donald Trump until they, you know, sign tax bills that don't always help everybody. But I think it's important to have somebody who can look clearly and look biblically at what's happening in the market. Look at the financial institutions that are around. Look at those little tantalizing certificate of deposit accounts that say, hey, but your money in here for a year and you'll get 4.7%. And then the certain restrictions that apply in the two font at the bottom of the print ad talk about how restrictive that is. And Dennis is saying, look, you want to come over here and make 8%, 10%. I know legal ways that are justifiable. They're real estate backed. They're, some of them are just uh, basically life insurance policies on steroids. And these are things that we as Christians need to be mindful of because regardless of who wins in 2024, we know there are going to be massive changes. The government's running some major debt. Your taxes are going going to go up. So how do you protect? Uh, you'll pay your legal fair share of taxes, but protect against paying more than your fair share or what you would deem to be fair. And that's why you need Wilson Financial Advisors. Uh, you click on the Wilson Financial Advisors banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net and you take a look at this and say, okay, well, you know, this is where <laughs> this is where we need to be. Uh, Dennis will contact you from anywhere in the U.S. and, and be happy to make that, uh, that contribution. You know, it's funny, the Clarence Thomas issue, a lot of the things that the left are, you know, poking at him for, what about these vacations? What about this unreported income? I mean, really prying into the private lives. And then, of course, there's his wife, Jenny, who's very active and very passionate, to which I would say, well, when has that ever stopped Democrats before? I mean, it's kind of like what's good for the goose. I mean, it's the, the idea that, you know, should he recuse himself? Well, I don't think he needs to. He may diplomatically want to, and they still have a pseudo-conservative majority on the bench. Uh, and, and when we say conservative, what we mean is constitutional. I mean, first and foremost, I don't really care what party affiliation you have. Your job is to protect and defend the Constitution, interpret it properly, look at all the laws that are being written and broken subsequently based on what the U.S. constitutional precedent is. 
And if, you know, anything that Clarence Thomas has done because they are concerned that he and his wife might talk about it. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, and, and Neil, especially with your pastoral background, um, the last church I served at, our senior pastor and his wife, very close Midwestern couple, they were wonderful. They didn't talk about anything that had to do with church politics. I mean, literally, Marsha would talk about what Leland was talking about at church, and it was all about beautification and, you know, this, that. She wasn't talking at all about squabbles internally and stuff because they kept that distance. And so just because Jenny Thomas is politically active on social media doesn't necessarily mean that she and Clarence are even having those conversations. I mean, I know that may sound naive, but I do know couples where that is in fact the case. So I don't think it's an automatic recuse yourself simply because she was vocal about, you know, January 6th and, and, and other reasons too. I'd be curious to see what, hear what the other guys have to say, but for, for my money, I don't think it's an automatic uh, disqualifier. And I would assume you mean whether he's a Republican or a Democrat. I mean, that would be the same matter. thing on both sides. Yeah, I didn't. Right, okay, yeah. so John, you know, can, can I say something sure. about this? So this, is, this makes my eye twitch so much. I, I When I hear terms like election denier because his wife is an election denier, uh, that is, and I know, Neil, you're using the terminology that, that everybody uses here, but I just got to remind everybody of something, okay? Election denier is some kind of magical term that's been created by the liberal left and the mainstream media for anybody who questioned the outcome of the 2020 election. But I, my question would be this. Uh, do you think there's any chance that the husband of Katanji Brown-Jackson or the husband and Sonia Sotomayor or maybe the close friends of Elena Kagan, think there's any chance that some of them may be on the record as questioning the legitimacy of the 2016 election and whether there was actually Russia collusion with Trump campaign and such, because nobody called any of the Hillary people or the Democrats election deniers. When they spent years going, Trump's not the legitimate president, there was Russia collusion, we tell you. That was a crazy conspiracy theory hoax that was debunked. But where's the election denier term for them? Where's the election denier term for the people after Stacey Abrams' loss in yep. 2018? Where's the election denier term for the people after John Kerry's loss in 2004 when they fought that and the Democrats claimed election fraud and voter machine irregularities and such? Or after the 2000 election with Al Gore when they fought that and claimed that that was an illegitimate election? It's just like Democrats question the outcome of an election anytime they lose and then suddenly in 2020 that's no longer allowed and if you do we're going to tag you with the moniker election denier it's just yeah. it's making my eye twitch yeah, so, go all the way back no, to the al gore days i mean it's no different there yes. as well i mean we can we can use example after example after example to prove what you just said Right. And by the way, Alan Dershowitz, liberal left-wing attorney, Alan Dershowitz, Harvard University law professor emeritus, uh, he he supported Hillary Clinton. He said, I've never voted for Donald Trump. I will never vote for Donald Trump. Uh, Alan Dershowitz was Al Gore's lead attorney in 2000. And Alan Dershowitz himself has admitted multiple times regarding Donald Trump and the charges against him. He said, uh, Donald Trump didn't do anything differently in trying to fight the 2020 election results than I did with Al Gore back in 2000. We did the very same thing. We lobbied the we lobbied the electors. We lobbied the Secretary of State. We tried to put pressure on various members of Congress. We tried to keep the election results from being certified. We did all the very same kind of stuff Donald Trump is doing. So should me and Al Gore be charged with crimes? This is Alan Dershowitz who says that. And of course, the mainstream press won't report this. No, this is absolute nonsense. All right, so just if by chance 
I'm not saying it's going to happen. I doubt it would. I, in fact, I think it won't. But if, by chance, Clarence Thomas recused himself, just imagine. And Bob, I'd like it if you would be comment because well, no, I hope he does. And because it, then it would be possible that the Supreme Court could split four to four. I don't think that's true. I think it's going to be unanimous. I think John said that earlier. But what kind of chaos would that bring if no. it was a four-four decision by the U.S. Supreme Court? My goodness, we think we got problems now. Um, all right. Then anyway, everybody can be accused of insurrection from now on. If that happens. Then here's what the Republicans do just from now on. The case for insurrection against Donald Trump can more easily be made against all of the Democrats who poured lighter fluid on the whole 2020 Black Lives Matter Antifa riots. Because you know what? They were writing, they were taking over city blocks, police precincts, federal courthouses. Uh, they rioted outside the White House so bad that Donald Trump had to be ushered out of the Oval Office by Secret Service to an underground bunker for his security and safety. And those riots were way more deadly and dangerous and violent than anything that happened on January 6th. So uh, therefore, is it time to say that Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and all the rest of them, that they are guilty of an insurrection because they were fueling the faint flames of that anger by reinforcing what those rioters were angry about, claiming America's systemically racist law enforcement's targeting black people, blah, blah, blah. They were reinforcing that. So why aren't they guilty of insurrection? Is that the precedent to set from now on that Republicans say, okay, fine, anytime there's violence, we're going to take any rhetoric that you said and we're going to uh, uh, say that that inflamed that violence and therefore we're now going to claim that you're insurrectionist and you can't be on the ballots in future. I mean, is that really the precedent to set? I hope not. And uh, I I know that our time is short here in the first half of the roundtable. So let me switch gears for just a second and ask the question um, of Roger and John. And we'll come back to you, Bob. Um, but real quick, Vivek Ramaswamy, Nikki Haley, both say Ramaswamy says he's going to pull out of Colorado if, if Trump isn't on the ballot. Uh, Nikki Haley says she wants him on there, as I understand it, because she says she wants to beat him fair and square, etc. Uh, so is that just political posturing? Do they really want Donald Trump on the ballot or are they actually standing up for what's right? That's one quick question. Secondarily, what do you think the Supreme Court's going to do? So, Roger, real quick on those two questions, what do you think? I honestly believe that uh, Ramaswamy and Nikki Haley are constitutionally motivated here. Uh, Nikki's p point about saying, I want to beat him fair and square. She's, this is a woman who stood up to him when he invited her to be the U.S. ambassador to the U.N. And she said, make it a cabinet position and I'll do it. I'm going to write my own speeches. So I, I, I have no doubt about that. Ramaswamy has nothing to gain by Donald Trump not being on the ballot. So whether it's political theater for him or constitutionally based, I think that's fine. Um, what was the second part of the question? I was so bent on Vivek and uh, Nikki was the possibility of them winning. What's the Supreme Court going to do? And it's expected that their decision would be somewhere before Super Tuesday, which would include Colorado. That's coming up yeah. in early March. Right. They're going to leave him on the ballot. I mean, there, there's no way. I mean, even Lena Kagan, Sotomayor, they, they don't have a leg to stand on here. They know that uh, Donald Trump didn't do anything, quote unquote, wrong enough to keep him off the ballot like this. The state overstepped their bounds. Talk about political theater. But that happened in the 2020 election, too. It happened in Pennsylvania. It happened in Arizona. It happened in a lot of it. There were 300 and something cases where the state secretary of state or Supreme Court or whatever overstepped their boundaries. So this is just another one of those cases. All right, we're short on time. John, your take on Ramaswamy and Haley, and also what do you think the Supreme Court's going to do? Uh, they're very smart individuals. It's two-sided. They know that, you know, as Roger said, the constitutional side of it, yes, they're they're in favor of, of course. But, you know, is this political as well, and does this play in their favor down the road, depending upon how things roll out? Of course. These are not... Uh, stupid people. I do believe in their heart. They feels like you know they feel like he needs to be on there regardless. But does it help them out politically as well? Absolutely. 
And again, Supreme Court, no, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna go anywhere. They're gonna they're gonna say, yeah, no, he's on the ballot. Okay, yeah, hope you're right, and Bob. You got about two minutes here to yeah. share your piece. You've already said a lot, but I mean, uh, sure. do you believe the Supreme Court gonna uh, throw this thing out? And then what I about, guess I'm uh, assuming they have to. I I, I, I they just, do. I'm really really curious to see what the three liberals on the Supreme Court do because if they actually really are that disconnected from reality and law that they would say that he can be removed off the ballot. They, they have to recognize the precedent that this could set going the other way. So I, mm-hmm. I think it would be insane. I, I really do. And, and and by the way, I do want to say as well, as you folks listen to us on this podcast, remember I was mentioning preborn earlier. Uh, we just want to say, first of all, how much we appreciate those of you that have given to preborn and those of you that have saved babies' lives. We, we thank you very much for doing this. If you have not done that yet, maybe 2024 is the year to go ahead and make that happen, okay? Remember, $28 is the average ultrasound expense to save one baby's life in a pro-life center. That's what you're, what you're doing is you're paying for ultrasound images for that mom to see a picture of her baby. And she chooses life when she sees a picture of that baby. And she usually ends up accepting the Lord too. So pray about a number. Take $28 times fill in the blank. How many babies' lives will you save? How many abortions will you stop? 10, 50, 100, whatever the number is. It's a one-time gift. And so here's what you do. Just go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, you can give right there. crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, give right there. And 100% of your gift goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. And if you wanna give over the phone, they answer the phones 24 seven. So again, go ahead and call right now, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. And we appreciate you folks doing this neil yeah and we could not do this without the support of preborn without the support of wilson financial and i want to encourage you to support them to to be vocal even in your support to let them know you heard about them right here on the national crawford roundtable coming up in the next half we're going to ask the question um essentially what what impact has donald trump his candidacy his persona his presidency what impact has that had on the body of Christ. We're going to try to switch away from any conversation about politics and just talk about this as brothers in Christ. So I also want to remind you um, that the video version of the NCR podcast, the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, is available at myhopenow.com, which is a treasure trove, by the way, of archived sermons and all kinds of things, but you'll find the podcast there. You can follow myhopenow.com, by the way, wherever you follow your social media. In the second half, as I mentioned, we are going to talk about Donald Trump, um, whether you love him or despise him, but we're going to very much look at a very different question. That is, what impact has he had on your personal spirituality and on Christianity in general? So we'll talk about that next on the second half of today's National Crawford Roundtable podcast. This has been a Crawford Media Group production. Welcome back to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with, I'll start here left to right, Southern California's very own Roger Marsh, who's heard daily on KBright, KBRT, John John, what's the rush host of Rush to Reason on KLZ <laughs> in Denver? Um, and uh, also, of course, Bob Duco, the imaginary defensive end for the Super Bowl bound Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. who between workouts, mm-hmm. between workouts, is heard daily on WMEZ in Detroit and myself. My name is Neil Boron. I'm the host of Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York, and the apparent tag you're it host of uh, today's podcast. So uh, here's the question, guys. There's a wide disagreement, obviously, in political circles about Donald Trump. Some call him a literal threat to democracy. Others legitimately believe that he's the one and only hope for this democratic republic we now know as the United States of America. So in the political world, uh, 
there's no doubt he's powerful, but he's also polarizing. And even here, he's literally been mentioned, I would think, in some way, intentional or not, on at least 90% of the podcasts we've ever done. So, uh, of course, here we go again, right? But depending on one's own perspective, some might say Donald Trump has been a lightning rod for hype, for animus, for attention, for hope, for controversy, scandal, confidence, arrogance, insurrection. That's the word some use, not here, of course. Courage, calamity. Fill in the blank, whatever. But right now, I don't want to talk about him from any kind of political viewpoint. What I want to know is, as a brother in Christ, what impact has his persona, his presidency, his public life had on the church? Uh, we can set aside any conservative narrative here. I, I hope we'll do that. We're not trying to live up to human beings' expectations um, or, you know, our pastor who may be listening to the podcast. So let's take off our tinfoil hats, just kidding, and, um, and then discuss how the Church of Jesus Christ, the Kingdom of God, maybe most importantly how we as individual believers have been affected by what I'll refer to as the Trump effect. And I want to talk about it in terms of things like zeal for God's Word, devotional life, prayer, church attendance, evangelism, unity in the body of Christ, love for God and others, faith, obedience, trust, godly service, depth of our commitment, Christ-like decorum. In other words, has evangelicals Christianity support for or association with Donald Trump been good for the kingdom of God? And just saying maybe we should look at this really two ways. What do we say and what does Jesus say? But first, uh, let's start with us. So Roger, John, Bob, what, what would you guys say? Has Donald Trump been good for Christianity? And if you don't mind, start with a yes or a no. Literally start with a yes or no. And then feel free to explain. So all things considered, has Donald Trump been good for Christianity in North America? Bob, I want to start with you, if you don't mind. Let's uh, find out uh, what you have to say. I'm, I'm going to say yes, but with a caveat, okay? Because I, I, I want to challenge the premise of the question, actually. Uh, has he been good for Christianity as it relates to my personal walk with the Lord? Has it been good or bad? Has been irrelevant. Donald Trump is irrelevant to my walk with the Lord, all right? But when I say good for Christianity, what you're saying, Neil, is, okay, but I don't want to factor in politics as any part of this. That's where I'm challenging really. the premise. I don't think we can eliminate politics as part of this question because in the way that I say, yes, he's been good for Christianity, has been the politics part of it. For his four years, he had more born-again evangelical Christians running the government in various cabinet positions than Ronald Reagan and George Bush did combined. I think that that was a good thing. Uh, we have uh, over 250 judges that he appointed in his four years across this country, appellate and circuit okay, court judges. Wait, hang on, now you're going, now you're going political. Now you're I know, but, but, the, but the thing is, that's good for Christianity because that means that Christians uh, Christians who are having their rights denied or things like that now have a benefit that they didn't have before. So okay. in that context, I say it's good for Christianity. But if you're if you're talking about my personal walk with the Lord, no politician, I don't care if they're Ronald yeah, Reagan or Barack Obama, okay. has any bearing whatsoever on my walk with the Lord. Okay, what about for the people, and I'll just ask you this, and we'll start to move along. I also would hope that you'll talk about Preborn, one of our sponsors. But, you know, people that have essentially given up their personal devotional life, and, and now they're avid listeners to Charlie Kirk or Tucker Carlson or Joe Rogan. They've literally, you know, they spend their day feeding themselves on podcasts and political commentary. You're not saying that has a personal impact on somebody's walk with God? I would say that that person didn't have a strong walk mm -hmm. with the Lord in the first place. And if it wasn't Donald Trump, then it would have been something else that would have stepped in to become the idol for them. Uh, look, you can. that's like, to me, that's like saying, I, I'll tell you, I think of it this way. 
I know people as passionately pro-life as I am, as all of us are. I really do know people that are so passionate about the unborn that if they're not careful, they can let that become an idol for them. And that's their first and foremost love and passion. And we know our first passion needs to be Jesus Christ. I know people that care about the poor and help the poor, and that's become almost a God for them. And it squeezes out their devotion to Jesus Christ because their first and foremost passion is helping people and loving their neighbor. So uh, anything, even good things can become an idol if you don't have Jesus Christ at your first and foremost passion. So I would say in that regard, if you have somebody who's like uh, they're spending less time on the Lord and they're focusing more on a cult-like following of Donald Trump, their problem wasn't Donald Trump. Their problem was they weren't connected to the Lord enough because if it wasn't Donald Trump, it would be something else that would end up filling that void that should be filled by Jesus Christ. So I wouldn't necessarily blame that on Trump. I would blame that on All that right. person not having a strong enough relationship with the Lord. And to be clear, um, there's no attempt here in even asking the question to say that if our if our Christian lives, if our walk with God in some way is failing, that it's Donald Trump's fault. Each one of us are going to give an account of ourselves to God. It sure. says in Romans 14, 12, I believe it is. But, um, John, let me throw it to you for a second. Um, New York Times, January 8th, came out with an article, Trump is connecting with a different kind of evangelical voter. Now, there's been a lot said since the start of the moral majority in the 1970s that evangelical Christians are largely supporters of Republicans and conservatives. Um, and, you know, the evangelical, so-called evangelical community has been tightly tied to Donald Trump and his presidency um, and, of course, his potential candidacy here to run again in 2024. So we know all of that. But Today, according to the New York Times, evangelical, uh, the definition of evangelical has shifted. is isn't just somebody who believes that the Bible is actually God's word and that salvation is necessary uh, for one to have a relationship with God. But now it's just really about political affiliation. In fact, the majority of, quote, evangelicals, according to this article, now are not even regular church attenders. But they're people who identify as politically conservative. And they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm an evangelical because I voted for Donald Trump meaning that their definition of what evangelical is really has nothing to do with their faith as much as it has to do with their party affiliation. Now, I'm not asking you to comment on the article if you didn't see it, but generally speaking, should should our party affiliation define who we are as believers or should who we are as believers be defined by our walk with God? You know, And, and I want to kind of bring that up as I ask you the same well, question. Has Donald Trump been good or bad for Christianity? I'm, I'm kind of with Bob on that indifferent. I, I don't look at it in that way. At all. I mean, when you look at what he's done in regards to even, you know, preborn and, and all of what's happening with abortions and so on, and what he's done on the Supreme Court that will, I believe, aid Christianity in general, he's been good for Christianity as far as that goes. Uh, do I have a problem with people that look at him as the only one or the only person that can get this country straightened out, almost a Messiah effect, if you would, which we, by the way, might talk about a little bit in the next podcast? But, you know, Neil, to answer your question, uh, you know, I define a Christian as their walk, their behavior, their lifestyle, what do they do, all of that, not necessarily their political affiliation. Now, with that being said, if you look at the platform of the Republican Party and you look at how that aligns with that same belief system, 
it for the most part, and you know, not exactly, but for the most part, it, it aligns with what we as Christians, evangelical Christians, believe should be happening on the political side of the aisle as well. It's why I struggle with quote unquote Christian Democrats, because I just don't see how you can put both of those words in the same sentence because their platform doesn't align at all with my Christian beliefs. I'll tell you that right now. So I'm not saying that being a Republican is a must for me as a Christian. I mean, you can be an independent, I guess, if you want to, but I would strongly question how can you be a Democrat and be a Christian at the same time because those values don't align with what I as a believer believe in. Now, again, going back to what does Donald, you know, how does Donald Trump fit into all of this? Uh, he's an employee. Uh, that's, that's one of the things in this country we tend to keep forgetting, and I want us here on this podcast to continue to strengthen. We are hiring people to run the country for us. We are the country. We are the government. We hire these individuals to work for us for a time, and they can be fired and replaced at any given time. Unfortunately, we don't do that as often as we should, but the reality is we, the people, are the country. We forget that sometimes. We give these guys way too much credit for what they actually do. In fact, we do that with Donald Trump. He works for me. I don't work for him. Yeah, well yeah. said. Bob, you mentioned abortion earlier. Did you Did you mention our sponsor, Preborn? I don't you uh, know. I, I didn't, but I, I I did earlier in the podcast, and we do just want to remind everybody who's listening to this podcast, hey, multitask, okay? Listen to us, but at the same time, we want you to give to preborn. We we really passionately want to save these babies' lives. Uh, $28 is the average ultrasound expense to save one baby's life to stop one abortion, all right? You're paying for the ultrasound images for preborn to show these images to expectant moms in pro-life centers all around the country. Okay, and Preborn's been doing this a long time. They do it all over the country. And we're just asking you right now, would you give some dollar amount? Pray about an amount. Think about how many babies' lives you want to save. It's $28 to stop one abortion. So $28 times fill in the blank. What is that amount you'd be willing to give? It's a one-time gift, and 100% of your gift goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So you can give two ways, online or on the phone. Just call, you can go online right now to crawfordmediagroup.net. That's crawfordmediagroup.net. Click on preborn and give right there. Or they answer the phones 24-7. You can call right now, anytime, 833-850-BABY. 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. And we need everybody to give something right now, as much as you can. Let's save these these babies' lives, Neil. Yeah, thank thank God for Preborn and their support of the National Crawford Roundtable. Remember to support each and every one of our advertisers. Uh, Roger, let me ask you the question I asked these other guys. What about Donald Trump? And it's interesting. I'll just throw in this nuance that I was that I heard when I, you know, when they responded. You got the idea. Well, he doesn't affect my Christianity at all. But then we worry. I think I'm going to insert this comment that that people like Nancy Pelosi, when she was you know Speaker of the House, and Adam Schiff and um, Chuck Schumer and others, you know, that they're bad for America. They're ruining America, and people are leaving churches and whatever. And we somehow want to pin blame on Democrats. I would say that if if liberals can have an impact on Christianity, why can't so-called conservatives? So in my opinion, Donald Trump has had an impact, and not all of it is positive. I'm not saying it's all negative, but I think people have, in many ways, grown cold. And I think after the COVID thing, which is not his fault, but, you know, there's been even an acceleration of people leaving churches, um, not wanting to affiliate with churches, and not just because of what's going on in the White House or all this political arguing and the mess that we see, you know, on the television screen every day. Um, but largely because uh, we're being drawn away by other things, 
other interests. Social media has captured the hearts and minds of people, and those can be factors as well. But getting involved in, in useless speculation and, and quabbles and arguments can have a really detrimental effect on one's walk with God. I don't know. That's my opinion. But, Roger, your thoughts on this? I just want to give you a chance to say yes or no first, and then maybe fill in the blank for us on whether you think Donald Trump has been a good or bad for the church. Okay, Donald Trump, good or bad for the church? I think absolutely good. And, and the reason, I think, is really very simple. When Donald Trump was elected president and took office, you saw Christians scrambling in one of two directions in many cases. They were either scrambling toward, a, oh, thank the Lord, we're going to have make America great again. Or as I remember, for whatever reason, uh, my previous church, I was always in the pulpit the weekend that Harold Camping said the world was going to end. Or, you know, it was always those weird ones. And I had that duty the weekend after the election. And so in a good Lutheran church, we had people coming up and saying, oh, this is great. I'm so glad, you know, in the handshake at the end of the service. This is so wonderful. I think it's great that, uh, that Trump won. And other people literally saying, this is Hitler. This is Hitler all over again. The Lutherans were the ones who were behind that. The church was complicit. And this is Adolf Hitler, and it's all coming. And I thought, oh, my goodness. I mean, the, it really did polarize. But the reason why I think Donald Trump has been good for the church is it's really sharpened our discernment as Christians as to what is good and godly and what isn't. And we've seen, I mean, quite frankly, a lot of times on the Bottom Line Show, we talk about the two gutters, that the, the two extreme positions. You know, there's the extreme progressivism, extreme fundamentalism, and how most of us live in the middle of that. We don't really live in one gutter or the other. So I think the fact that Donald Trump was elected and a lot of Christians were like, yeah, this is great. And then when he you know, wasn't elected in 2020, people were like, oh, this is the end of America. The fact that there are a lot of people who identified as evangelical and then were split. I mean, I'm fascinated with some of these blogs and podcasts of Christian academics who are just like, you know, who are these mouth-breathing knuckle-draggers who voted for Donald Trump? And this is not right. We've got to make America back. Let's get American Christianity back the way it is. And I'm thinking, you know, I realized that when I started reading these things and hearing these things, I thought, you know, I don't typically look at other Americans who are Christians and say, how do I define my Christianity? I look at what God's doing in the lives of people who have professed faith in Christ, who've met Jesus in the waters of baptism, who participate in the Eucharist, who are engaged in Christian fellowship, whether it be in a church that has 15 members or 15,000, and say, how are they living their lives? Is their light so shiny before others that people would look at our good deeds and glorify God? I mean, it, what's the standard? You know, and, and I think the reason why I say Donald Trump has been good for the church is it's really kind of helped us take a step back and say, okay, what is the church? I mean, who are Christians? You know, is it the way we vote? I mean, it, it, I know a lot of good, God-loving, flag-waving Americans who I'm looking at this and saying, wait a minute, your God is your political party. It's not the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, your, your, your right. reason for living, you're existing. And, and if that is who our Savior is, I mean, for me, it was the final nail in the coffin to say, boy, if I ever have those tendencies again, you know, God, please dislocate my hip, do something, <laughs> keep me from walking, <laughs> keep yeah. me from walking down that road, you know, because at the end of the day, I have a much greater affinity now for Christians in Pakistan and Afghanistan and Iraq and Iran and everywhere else where the church is literally being oppressed to the point where as much as we will bellyache and complain about First Amendment rights, and God bless guys like Jack Phillips, and he's a wonderful Christian man, and has, to put up with, has had to put up with things that I could never imagine putting up with. But when you compare that to Yusuf Khani and some of these other well-known Christians who were not, quote-unquote, born Christian because they were born in these majority Muslim countries, I mean, where, what's our perspective? What's our focus? You know, and so a long ramble here, but uh, I, I would say that... Donald Trump has been very good for the actual church in the United States. 
very interesting distinction, and I think that maybe we can delve into that more on a future podcast, but that's an interesting thing, because that came up last week. We were talking about, you know, why is it that churches are experiencing decline in one way or another? And then the question has to be asked, well, who is the church, right? Who are the real followers of Jesus? So that's an interesting distinction. Um, before, I'm going to go back the other way and start again with you, Roger, but before we do, and I'd love you if you'd mentioned Wilson Financial here, because while Donald Trump may or may not have been good for the church, and it looks like the majority of uh, are saying here that Donald Trump has been good for the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, he certainly was good for our economy when he was president from 2016 to 2020. And uh, rightly handling the finances God has entrusted to us is important. So tell us about Wilson Financial. Well, Dennis Wilson is the guy who shoots straight, too. I mean, this is a guy who'll say, this is where Donald Trump got it right. This is where Donald Trump really handicapped you know, the the economy. And we need to know that information. I mean, it would be really disingenuous for us to have this blind allegiance to one political party and saying they're all bad or they're all good. Dennis understands the nuances, and he's been doing this for more than 50 years. He, he The business started when he was working with a colleague, and the colleague had passed away. His wife didn't have any life insurance, and here she was in her mid-20s with a couple of kids and she was destitute. And he said, I don't want to see anybody in that situation again. So he started selling life insurance and then he got into investing. And now when you look at the investments, these are not just the go to the big name broker and buy whatever they're selling because they're going to make a huge commission off of it. I, I think of one woman who's a, a bottom line show lister who's a Wilson financial client now who she and her her sister were both widowed at the same time. Tragic events. One was an accident, one was cancer. And they had both been, both the husbands had done very well. And one was set up in one account that was paying her a nice residual so that she could retire. And my colleague was actually working with us at church and she said, every year my investment portfolio goes up, but because of fees and all the other things, I'm losing money on this. So I'm still gonna be working till I'm 75. She reached out to Dennis and Dennis stopped the bleeding and helped her get into the right accounts so that the money would continue to grow and she wouldn't have to worry. And I'm happy to say that now a year later, she's retired <laughs> because they were able to straighten the ship out. Go to the Wilson Financial banner at CrawfordMediaGroup.net and click on and find out how Wilson Financial can help you steward the money to which God has entrusted you for now and for the years to come, especially since, guys, we're, we've all agreed we're getting into some kind of murky waters here politically uh, with regard to what's going to happen and how are we going to try to tackle $34 trillion in federal debt. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Let me, let me get back to the conversation here about Trump and whether or not he's good for Christianity. Obviously, we're, some of the questions we're asking here are even hypothetical, um, but... Uh, you know, and it's unfair that we're having this conversation when the same could have been said of Ronald Reagan. I mean, was Ronald Reagan a born-again Christian? Do we know? Is Donald Trump a born-again Christian? Do we actually know? Um, some people say that he is. Some say there's no way he could be based on his behavior. But, you know, the Word of God says that if somebody is not in Christ, then they're dead in their trespasses and sins. And Romans 5.10 literally says that somebody who's not a believer is an enemy of God. So, you could make the argument that anyone, our neighbor, our coworker, our uncle, you know, our president, if they're not a believer, if the word of God is true, and I believe that it is, in that sense, is an enemy of God. But people in the body of Christ, many, uh, you know, who are part of what's called the Trump cult, some of them, some of them, and we're actually going to talk about that on an upcoming roundtable, um, really believe Donald Trump is an agent of God. Some say he's like a Cyrus, not a believer, but used by God anyway. Others fully believe he is a Bible-believing Christian and God's man for the White House. So I see two extremes there. Then you've got people that are worried about the deep state versus, I think, focusing on the victorious risen Lord of Revelation 21 and 22. Um, any thoughts about that, guys? I just kind of want to throw it out there because the, word, the term blind allegiance came up earlier. And I think to some degree, there's a willingness to be blind about 
things that should concern us that if, if anyone's going to lift a clarion call about behavior in this generation whether it's from our president or members of congress or anyone else it should be the church of jesus christ shining the light into the darkness so should christians be people of blind allegiance and is there any caution there for how we involve ourselves with politics and particularly in this case donald trump um roger let me throw it to you first we've got a few minutes then maybe to john and we'll finish up with bob but roger your thoughts on that well, blind allegiance, I mean, and only, I mean, we place our faith and hope in Jesus Christ. Everybody else, you have to be wise as serpents and meek as doves. So, I mean, the idea that we would just blindly follow anyone, you know, regardless of political party, uh, really is uh, doing a disservice to the community, but also it doesn't bode very well as a very good reflection of our faith. Okay, John, your thoughts? Yeah, uh, and we'll talk, I'm going to get into more of this next week on, on next week's podcast when it comes to blind allegiances, because I think that's a very dangerous place to be. And not that we need to, you know, attack everybody for everything that, that goes on, but, you know, on the same token, you need to bring awareness to certain things that may be false. You know, for example, we were talking Donald Trump, was he good for Christianity? Was he good for the country? And I will tell you one of the things I think he made a huge mistake on, and I don't know how you would do this as president, so please don't ask me for the answer, but when it came to COVID and the shutdown of churches and certain states even even making that happen and penalizing churches, that's one of those cases where I think even federally Donald Trump should have stepped in and said, listen, time out. This is not going to happen. Not on my watch. You guys aren't going to do this. And this is one of these things that I'm going to stop. We're going to have people meeting in church. We need that more now than ever during this time. And I'm not going to allow for that. That's one of the areas where I feel like he faltered. But we've got people out there that would have huge disdain for what I just said because I called something out against their quote-unquote Messiah, and you can't have blind allegiance to anyone. You know, if he ends up winning the primary and he's our guy, am I for him? Absolutely, just like I would be with any other R next to that person's name. I would be for that person. On the same token, even if the R is next to their name, does that keep me from pointing out their faults and helping them improve? Iron sharpens iron, guys. If we ever get to the point where you can't do that, we have a problem. Yeah, hence the nature of our conversation today. Bob, um, I know you're a huge advocate for life. Uh, Donald Trump put people on the Supreme Court that helped get the Roe v. Wade decision overturned. Um, we care about babies, and Preborn is one of our sponsors. As you dig into this question uh, about blind allegiance and or support for Trump, um, how should we view him? But feel free to talk about our advertising partner right. here. Well, and absolutely, as we kind of wind down this podcast, I do just want to remind everybody, if you haven't given to Preborn yet, please do so now. Okay, uh, $28 is the average cost to stop one abortion through Preborn. You're paying for ultrasound images, everybody. So pray about a number. Take $28 times fill in the blank. How many babies' lives will you save? Is it 10 babies, 20 babies, 50 babies, 100 babies? I don't know what you can afford to do. Everybody's got a different budget. But this is a one-time gift. It's to preborn, And your forever legacy is, here's how many abortions we stopped in our family. Take $28 times fill in the blank, whatever that number is. And then give it as a one-time gift to preborn. okay? They do this all over the country. They've been doing this for a long time. And 100% of what you give goes to fund ultrasounds, nothing for overhead. So you can do it online. Just go to crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn, and give right there. crawfordmediagroup.net, click on preborn. You can give right there. Or you can call them 24-7. They answer the phones. 
24-7, 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-BABY. Just mention National Crawford Roundtable when you call. We appreciate you folks doing that. And, Neil, to answer your question, blind allegiance? No, of course not. I don't think we had to have blind allegiance to anybody. Okay, our allegiance is totally and completely to Jesus Christ. Uh, but you know, So I'm never going to look at a, a political candidate and say, oh, well, we should support that candidate absolutely 100% no matter what. No, Donald Trump has to keep earning my support. The Republican Party has to keep earning my vote. Now, I mean, look, I love this country, but I don't have blind allegiance even to America or, mm-hmm. or to the flag. Of course not. Uh, it's always to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But when I look at somebody like Donald Trump, I cannot separate uh the, the 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 personal things about the body of Christ with the policies that he's enacted. He has, in fact, enacted policies that are benefiting Christians in this country. His judges did overturn Roe v. Wade. We do have right now over 200 born-again evangelical Christians in appellate and circuit court judge seats all across this country that are ruling on behalf of Christians and the Constitution. This is very positive fruit produced by Donald Trump. And so, in my honest opinion, I think that we ought to stand up and salute him and support him and say, hey, this is a flawed man with a whole bunch of problems. His walk with the Lord, that's between him and God. But as far as the fruit that he's been willing to produce, he's fought for us as president, as evangelical Christians and pro-lifers. And so I think that we ought to fight for him back without expecting perfection from him. All right, Roger, we've got less than a minute here. Um, I wonder if you'd close this in prayer and pray not only for our current president, but for the future president, whoever that's going to be, and for all of us to keep the main thing, the main thing here in the body of Christ. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that we can come together today here as brothers and sisters, uh, lifting up our voices to you in prayer. We know this is a a pivotal year for our nation. We've got a pivotal election coming up, and and there's a tendency for some of us to uh, either just kind of check out as Christians and not really pay attention, uh, but we believe that you've given us the opportunity to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's in this case, and also render to you at the same time by, by casting our vote. We pray, Father, for the candidates. We pray for the initiatives that are being put forth. And we pray, Father, that you give us the discernment to vote the way you would have us vote, that we'd be in prayer, that we'd be studying Scripture, and that we'd be in dialogue with each other uh, just in community to to make the decisions that are most God-honoring so that the, the world would see your church, your bride, uh, shining even more brightly, even if the backdrop gets a little darker in the 2024 elections. Help us to remember to shine brightly and keep our eyes focused on you. We ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Well, listen, if you want to or dare to actually see our faces, you can watch a video of this podcast at myhopenow.com, and you can follow My Hope Now wherever you're, uh, you follow social media. But, uh, by the way, please don't forget to listen to the Bob Duco Show on WMUZ in Detroit, Rush to Reason with John Rush on KLZ in Denver, The Bottom Line with Roger Marsh on KBRT in sunny Southern California, or feel free to join me, Neil Boron, on Neil Boron Live, WDCX Radio, Buffalo, New York. For all of us, this is Neil encouraging you to enjoy the rest of your day. (laughs) It can only get better from here, I promise. And Lord willing, we'll see you again soon on the National Crawford Roundtable. You've been listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, a view of today's culture through a biblical lens, brought to you by Preborn, saving babies and souls. Join us in the fight to save babies from abortion. Your gift provides a free ultrasound for a mother in need. 80% of the time, she will choose life. Visit crawfordmediagroup.net and click on their logo to donate. And Wilson Financial Advisors, 
Over 50 years of financial expertise and success, helping you build confidence in your financial future. Visit CrawfordMedia.net and click on their logo for more information. You can download this podcast from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more from your local Crawford Media Group station or at CrawfordMediaGroup.net. And you can watch video of the podcast at MyHopeNow.com. Be sure to follow My Hope Now wherever you follow social media. And please give this podcast a five-star rating on your Apple app. Look for the notification on your app for when the next weekly edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast is ready for you to download. This is a Crawford Media Group production.